Thanks for joining the podcast today. If you didn't already know, this podcast is based off of our YouTube channel. You can find the link in the description below. Be sure to subscribe. Also check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Let us know who you are and where you're watching from. We'd love to get to know you. We are a self-funded channel. We don't receive money from churches or ministries, and that allows us to continue to make content that pushes the borders of our faith. So if you enjoy what we do, consider giving to our Patreon. For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can help support this channel. You can find the link in the description below. Thanks again for joining us. We believe that by coming together, we can leave bad religion defenseless. I think if we're going to try to whittle down maybe our own definitions here, like I do think that um, it is okay to expose your children to your religion of choice, but I think you have to be open to them questioning it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, because as the parent, you're, I mean, if you are a, a religious person or believer, you're going to practice, I mean, hopefully you're going to practice the thing. Right. you believe which means they're gonna see it right. and see you practicing or discussing it or talking like you know we talk about jesus right we go to church still right um so they're seeing it and hearing it sure so, but but, the, but and i'm not trying to like scratch my own back here but they hear me talk a lot of trash on like <laughs> christianity the church school. uh just the kind of religious yeah. systems that exist so i feel like unintentionally i am trying to give them a very balanced view of like Personally, I don't have beef with God or Jesus, but if you want to talk about the people who represent him, yeah. And I think you're very clear about that, and sure. we are both very clear about right. Like, we obviously believe and right. practice just in a different way than other people. Right. But, and I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think that's why it's the parent's job, sure. Like, don't indoctrinate your kids. I mean, teach them. That's where it gets tricky. Like, teach them, I guess, what you believe. Well, and why you practice something, but if they want to visit somewhere else or if they want, to, if they have questions, answer the questions. Right. And, and I think maybe that's like, like I said, we kind of need to create our own definition of doc indoctrination here. It's not that teaching your kid a specific uh, religious avenue is the wrong thing. It's when you don't allow them to have questions about other religions or to critique the one you're in. Um, that's when I think it becomes very dangerous. Uh, there's this scene I would encourage. Oh, okay. I'm kind of letting some of my baggage loose here. I kind of like horror movies. <laughs> I always have not the real bloody and the gory ones, but I, there's just something about, uh, creating tension and mystery and dread that I, I really like. Movies. Uh, yeah, not all of them. Like I'm not going to go see the new exorcist that's movie. Freaking you out. Yeah. yeah I, can't, I can't handle it. Anyway, there's this show. Uh, and you know, you got to know your limits. You got to know what you're into. If you don't like swearing, if you don't like Netflix, if you like, you just decide for you. Which this show? is just my recommendation. There's this show called black mass Oh, or no, not black mass. Was it black mass? I think it is black mass. Uh, it's, I'll look. it's by the guy Flanagan, David Flanagan, who did haunting Hill of Hill house. house. And, uh, it's called black mass and it is about this Island. I think it was supposed to be like up in Maine or something like on the upper, upper East coast. Um, I think it was like a fictional town or Island. You kind of have to take a ferry out there and there's only a couple cars and, you know, they have like one schoolhouse, one bank. It's maybe a community of what? Like, Oh, couple, very small. Couple hundred people. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And, uh, so one of the sheriffs that 
ended up there and I don't remember his backstory. He was Muslim Mm -hmm. and the almost the entire community is white and Christian. And so they were having this uh, discussion one night in the schoolhouse about what they were going to like. Oh, I think his son somehow a Muslim Bible like ended up in the schoolhouse or something like that. If you remember. And um, there's this really cool scene. I would encourage you to a watch the show Black Mass. It's really cool. I don't think it's called Black Mass. What's it called? Is it Midnight Mass? Midnight Mass. Black Mass is the Johnny Depp movie. Yes. Yes. Midnight Mass is what it's called. Midnight Mass. Watch it. It's on Netflix. It's awesome. There's this scene uh, where the Muslim sheriff has a son. I think he's probably like 15 or something like Mm -hmm. that. And they're practicing Muslims. But I think the they have like Bibles at their school. Right. And I think the school teacher a lady who's brought in Bibles and was like teaching them something mm-hmm. about scripture in a public school, small little, like 200 person town, yeah, very yeah. isolated. And so they're at a, like a kind of a PTA meeting or something like that. Mm-hmm. in this tiny little schoolhouse yeah. with maybe like 15 parents or something like that. And the sheriff who is Muslim said, why are we teaching this? Like, why is my Muslim son coming home with homework about the Bible or something like that? Yeah. Uh, so some of you might find this language offensive and, and I just don't have better language for it. The la- the school teacher who kind of is the villain of the story, kind <laughs> of, uh, she is, uh, a Karen in the most Karen sense. I think yeah. her name might've even been Karen. I'm not <laughs> even remember. kidding. Um, but she's be. the worst, yeah, she's right? The like she pushes yeah. her agenda. Everything's an attack on her. You know, when we talk about what a Karen is, she is that, um, but she starts firing off at him and be like, well, you know, do you have a problem with my faith and my religion? And these are good things. And he basically just kind of puts his foot down and he says, I know what you believe. I've studied the Bible and I encourage my son to have questions about the Bible. And uh, yes, we are practicing Muslims, but I teach him to think critically. However, I do think it's highly inappropriate for you to be pushing this on him on a curriculum educational level yeah, and he just kind of puts her in her place big time and it's just it's it's a really cool moment mm-hmm. um that you get to see and and race plays a little bit of a um race and religion play a little bit of a part in that whole series because the sheriff is muslim and it's kind of cool yeah. to watch how that plays out go watch midnight mass it is so good, is really good david show. flanagan makes some of the best stuff ever yeah uh he did haunting of a hill house and if you haven't seen that it is a beautiful mm-hmm. story it is considered horror but it's a really cool story about family yeah um anyway i digress because i man okay, i love that stuff about- Ooh, I love it. <laughs> but it reminds me of that how he kind of put his foot down and he said look if my son came home as a practice Muslim we are of Muslim and I think they're his uh, wife and the kid's mother died years before so yeah. he's kind of a single parent he's like if my kid comes home and says that his friend I don't know Rodney Christian if he could go to youth group with him I would say sure that's fine yeah. but then we're gonna have a conversation about it and we're gonna you know we're critically gonna think about what this is and I, he had no problem with that as a mm-hmm. parent but the moment it was pushed on him or his child on an educational level uh that's when he was like sure. this is wrong because and the big difference to him and he didn't explicitly say this but i think the big difference to him is he can teach his kid to think critically about religion Someone who is pushing it as a a doctrinal educational stance is not teaching them to think about it critically. It is this way, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so I think that's the danger of it. Like our kids go to Christian private school right now. 
if they stood up and said a quarter of the things I say on this podcast or video, they might get kicked out of their school. 100%. <laughs> uh, and so now we've chosen to put them in that program and they're, they're, they're for the most part, it's okay. The schooling's okay. They like their sports. They have their friends. It's not the end of the world. But if we're being honest, we are absolutely sending our children to a place that is Indoctr- intentionally <laughs> indoctrinating them with a very yeah. charismatic view of the world. You know, yeah. Um, and so, I think it is maybe healthy that they have a parent, parents like us, who do things like this because they're hearing it both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Look, if Very my if my kids it. decide they want to be Pentecostal for the rest of their life, that's fine. I don't think they're going to hell. They'll hear it from me, you know, and we'll have those critical, fun conversations about like, well, I don't know, if I agree with this, but it's totally up to them. To, to choose what that route looks like, right? They're smart kids. Right. Like they're critical thinkers, I think. They are already. because we've we've taught them to be that and we've taught things like inclusion and we don't we don't teach them to uh separate anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh gay, straight, black, white, Christian, Muslim. I mean, they've seen so many people and come in and out of our lives. Right. Different people. Right. And I think that's been very healthy for them. Um, and not everybody's good and not everybody's bad. And we need to learn that as, mm-hmm. as people, as developmenting or develop, developing into adults, we need to learn to be able to see people past the religion, their race, their, all that stuff. And just see people if, if they're good people or bad people or somewhere in between. Um, but we're not going to discriminate. Like we don't play that in this house yeah, and yeah. they know that. So even if they're getting it on one side of the aisle, which I don't know how much, but I would assume it's probably at least a little. Oh, 100%. At least they're coming home to parents in a household who balances that out. Mm-hmm. Maybe to the extreme. <laughs> that That's to be determined. But um, I think it's just worth having the conversation when we talk about indoctrination um, between what is a parent's right, where does the state get involved or the, the government, um, you know, how does religion play into there's so much I had to unlearn oh, as yeah. a practicing quote unquote Christian. I even hesitate to use that word. Cause I feel like that word doesn't do apply <laughs> not in the sense where I, if you're saying a Christian means I believe in God and Jesus, then sure. Fine. If you're saying it means I have to be attached to this whole social group, that has all these other ideas about the world and, and, and social constructs, then no, I'm not, I'm not a part of that. And so I guess it's on one level, maybe it's semantics. Like, what is that? Like if someone's like, are you a Christian? I'm like, well, what does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean to you? Yeah. Like (laughs) define Christian. And then we'll decide if I fit inside that definition or not, you know, which would probably just be a very interesting way to like talk to people (laughs) and and meet people. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I think a lot of the hardcore Christians we grew up around probably wouldn't receive that very well, no. you know, but I spent so much of my twenties unlearning mm-hmm. what I would say is indoctrination from now I was raised by my grandparents for the most part. They took me in, they didn't have to take me in. Uh, parents didn't really live up to the job of being parents. So I'm grateful that I had grandparents who took me in Yeah, and, and all things considered outside of the indoctrination side of it, I was in a healthy environment. I was around family who loved and cared for me. I was in a social system, uh, the church, uh, who felt like family. You know, some of my best friends to this day, I, I met and grew up with there, and they're well adjusted and not crazy and like whatever. They probably had a lot of unlearning to do as well. Um, but I think on a 
from a thousand feet up, it was a pretty good situation to be in. It's when you dive into the minutia of what was being taught and, and the implications of some of those teachings. That's when I think it got really dangerous mm -hmm. because it gave me a very skewed idea of who God was, yeah. who Jesus is, what the role of the church is, what my role as a Christian is, who I should hate, who I should accept. Mm -hmm. Those were very, those were things very much uh, instilled in me at a young age. I've always been a little bit of a rebel, so I think I kind of pushed back a lot against a lot of it, or at least just didn't receive a lot of it. But there's just bad stuff that I just kind of picked up along the way that I had to unlearn. Yeah. Um. You know, we've talked about it here on the podcast yeah. before, but like in time theology was just—it's mm -hmm. a stupid nightmare. <laughs> it's a mess on the evangelical side. It is mm -hmm. insanity. It is almost completely detached from biblical literacy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. It, it's like the evangelicals took the book of Revelation and, you know, the picture books we give toddlers. <laughs> yeah. It's that. <laughs> it's like if, if you had to make a picture book of the book of Revelation, yeah. that's what the evangelicals have come up with as their end time belief system. <laughs> like there's no good studying in there. There's no historical context. It's oh, it's a right. mess. It's a nightmare. And for me, that was really kind of one of the jumping off points for me um, that started unraveling the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the, uh, what is it? The, the one string I pulled on the sweater and now the yeah. whole thing just starts unraveling. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I had to unlearn. There was a lot of, I don't want to say behaviors cause I, I do want to take, um, accountability for behaviors that I had. I, I don't think anybody can well, force you to act a certain way. You know, we, yeah, we choose yeah. to do the things we do. Um, but there was just a lot of stuff at the end of the day. The reason it didn't make sense to me, the, the, in, the reason I had to unlearn all the indoctrination is because, um, when the rubber actually met the road and I needed a God and I needed a Jesus and I needed the faith that I had been raised in for so long, I actually realized how paper thin it was. And I actually had nothing. And that's what scared me the most. And I was put in a very, um, critical point in my life in, in that period of time where it's either I either I figure out who God and Jesus is for real or I just need to walk away and be done with it. And I think maybe the scaredy cat in me was like, I can't just walk away. I got to try to figure this out. And so my hyper analytical brain kicked in and then I spent the better of 10 to 15 years still on that journey of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. um, but there was so much I had to unlearn yeah um okay for instance i was actually talking to um your mom the other day mm -hmm. shout out to mom she's gonna listen to this and watch this um she asked me something about scary movies and once again i like them i'm not gonna lie it's not the gore for me it's just uh, i i'm a huge film buff too like yeah. i love film i love dialogue and so i think that the horror genre presents us with a different avenue yeah. of making movies and film but like are we gonna go see the new saw movie no we know what that is it's yeah. just a bunch of people getting chopped Body up and screaming yeah and i don't i don't, don't want to see that give me a good script give me some existential dread <laughs> i'm down you know it's great um Especially, man, if you can blend that sci-fi and horror world a little bit together. Oh, I love it. Anyway, I don't want to get into movies because I will totally get into movies. Um, she was asking me the other day uh, about horror movies and stuff like that. And I told her I was raised 
straight up told, not just by my family, but multiple people in the church, that if you watch a scary movie, if you watch horror movies, you're opening the door for demons and Satan into your life. Verbatim, guys, if you watch a movie, if you watch Midnight Mass that I recommended earlier, you are opening the door to demons and Satan to step into your life. Maybe you'll be possessed. Maybe you won't get the job you were supposed to get because the demons are working and oppressing you. And maybe you'll struggle with depression (laughs) or fearing. I mean, all all the ways that Same. they say Same. demonic activity that is utter nonsense and it's nowhere in the bible mm-hmm. you won't find it anywhere in there but we've somehow manipulated scripture we've as dan mcclellan says we've negotiated with scripture and bent it in the way we want it to to look and sound um why we do that i fear probably right like oh i don't want my kids to join the occult and be a satanist so let's tell them scary movies are bad because yeah, that's yeah. a doorway to, I, I guess. I've never met anybody who's like, hey, man, I went and saw that uh, that uh, that new uh, Friday the 13th movie. I think I want to start practicing Satanism. <laughs> I've never seen that jump yeah. before, you know? Uh, but I feel like that's almost like what the evangelical conservative Christians think is going to happen. Like, oh, it's a gateway to, to hell, basically, and it's leading you down the path of whatever. You have to decide what's healthy for you. Right. Um, I have a family member who's very much into film, went to film school, and he doesn't like movies with a lot of blood and guts and violence. Doesn't bother me. I can watch Don Wick all day. Oh, yeah. Uh, But he's not the biggest fan of it. And it's it's to me, it's weird because I'm just like, it's fake, you know. But for him, that's his line. Yeah. Totally respect it. That's his line. For whatever reason, that's his line. Not my line, but it's his line. Yeah. Um, And. I think we just have to take care of ourselves on an individual level and just know what's good for us and where our lines are. Cause everybody's going to be a little different. Right. Um, but you know, I was telling your mom the other day that it's just absolute garbage and nonsense. Like the whole, the you're opening a door to Satan and that's why I don't, you know, we don't let our kids watch scary movies. I don't let my kids watch scary movies, uh, because I don't want them to have nightmares. I don't know that they're ready to deal with some of the adult themes that some of these movies are pushing. We let him watch Megan the other day <laughs> or like a year ago or something yeah, like yeah. that. But it's like PG-13 really wasn't much language in it. There's, I don't think there's any blood or guts in it. Yeah, One person got stabbed blood, and they didn't even show it. They just showed him after like with a knife in his chest yeah, or whatever. Some blood. Yeah. Um, but like not very scary. No. I watched, we talked about this the other day. I watched Event Horizon as a kid. I was probably like eight, nine, ten, something like that. The scariest thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life at that point. We watched it what, years like, later, year, I mean, a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, oh, it's not that scary. And I was like, ah, it's still a little scary to me. <laughs> um, but you're right. It wasn't what it was when I was eight or nine. Yeah. I was not ready to watch that movie at that mm-hmm. age. I'm pretty sure my dad took me to see it. I was not ready for that. And I think I'm also sensitive to that now with my kids. Look, they turn 18 or whenever they, I feel like they're kind of in the ballpark when they can watch that stuff and it's not going to affect them. Um, okay, then it's up to them to figure out where their personal lines are with those things and, and media they want to consume and or not consume. Uh, but as a parent right now, I do believe it's my job to understand uh, that my 12-year-old is not ready for a movie like Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. Not ready for it. <laughs> or and not just in the horror genre there's plenty of movies like i wouldn't let uh my 12 year old watch a i probably wouldn't even let my 15 year old watch a quentin tarantino movie right i like them i really <laughs> do and i think he's yeah. an amazing director but i also understand there's a lot of adult content in there yeah 
And as adults, we have to decide how much, where our line is, you know, um, somebody saying the F word is a little silly to me. We don't swear. Like yeah. it's not something we do in our house, but when somebody else does it, I'm not like offended and immediately no. like, Oh, clutching my pearls. Like, I can't believe they said the <laughs> F word. Now, sometimes it gets a little ridiculous and you can tell people, but I think that's the same thing in real life. You ever met somebody who just swears just to swear? Like, a lot. like yeah. every other word is the F word. And it's not like it's I'm not. offended. I'm just like, bro, you sound stupid. Yeah. Same thing in a movie for me. Like there, I understand that not everybody holds those values or uses different language than I choose to use. So when somebody uses the F word, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's in a movie. Like uh, people talk like that. Yeah, I, I might not, but some people do, especially if they're like mafia or, you know, gangbangers or like whatever, yeah. like in the, in those contexts, swearing probably makes a lot of sense. Um, so seeing a movie with maybe a lot of language uh, may uh, not be a line for me, but some people who just really don't like that language for a myriad of reasons might say, you know, that is a line for me and you have to decide where that line is. And I think also for our kids, we have to do the same thing. Clearly, I don't think that's indoctrination. I think we're just trying to make yeah. healthy decisions because my, my boys are pretty good. And I think everybody says that about their kids. So, you know, whatever, join, no, join the are. club. They're good kids. <laughs> what I'm not afraid of and this is not how I was as a kid. So, and I can weigh myself against my kids and, and they're good compared to what I was. Um, I don't necessarily now have to worry about my 15 year old hearing a movie that says the F word a couple times because it's not going to translate into his vocabulary. He knows. I mean, they're around kids who swear. Right, right. And probably adults too. Um, that's not language we use. I've never heard either of them like use language like that. Um, and so I'm not scared of that getting into their head and be like, oh, this is cool in a movie. So I'm now going to start using this type of language. I don't have that concern. I think maybe too much is too much. And maybe I just need to maybe not do that because it's it's probably just not healthy at someone that age to hear that much swearing or, or bad language or whatever. Um, but for someone like me who it's literally in one ear out the other, I, I don't, I'm not absorbing it on any sort of level. Um, it's whatever. Um, however, when I was a 12 year old and I heard movies like that and my group of friends or lyrics from music or whatever, it definitely entered our, uh, the way we spoke, you know, <laughs> it didn't translate as an adult, but as a younger kid, I was definitely me and my group of friends were one of the, some of those kids who like the herd swearing and thought it was cool. Yeah. I mean, well, when you think about indoctrination, I mean, I a hundred percent believe adults can be indoctrinated or like, you know, bring into a, like brought into a cult or something like that. But I mean, when you look back on to, back at it, like impressionable people are easily way more easily indoctrinated sure. into different ways of thinking. Right. So I think young people, I mean, I know you were talking about movies, but I'm saying young people in the church, it's so much, e they are so much more indoctrinated by those leaders and those people who are safe adults and safe people to them. Sure. Um, can we talk about one form? Like, we'll probably wrap up here in a second. Sorry. Uh, no, no, you're good. Uh, I just want to kind of go over one form of indoctrination that I think we are going to try to work into another podcast. I don't think we ever really got to it, but I, th I think this is just a great example. Um, okay. So I'll just, for everybody watching and listening right now, just a little bit of biology for you. 
Um, at certain point, boys and girls develop parts that they want to <laughs> use later on in life to make babies. That's fair to say, right? Yeah. It's pretty PC. Um, and inside of that process, there are things called hormones that make people feel and act some type of way, right? Uh, some of these are healthy. Some of these are unhealthy. And that is the journey of the adolescent trying to figure out who they're going to become as a eventually, for most people, a sexually active adult. Okay. Um, I think most Christians would say that needs to take place in the realm of marriage and anything pre-marriage, um, whether it is looking, touching, feeling, thinking, watching <laughs> is like the devil, right? Like sexuality is still pretty taboo inside of the evangelical Christian mm -hmm. world. We talk about this all the time. Uh, one form of indoctrination that we see, right? So I just, I wanted to set the pretext here because I just want to make sure everybody understands 16, 17 year old, 18 year olds, there's a lot going on. I can speak from a boy's perspective. There's a lot going on under the hood that we don't know how to process. We don't know how to deal with and we're looking for outlets. And traditionally, historically speaking, we would be of age to actually uh, you know, in biblical times, have a wife already at that age sure. and be of baby making caliber already at that age and maybe already having babies. So biologically, historically speaking, um, somebody who is 16, 17 and 18 would historically speaking would be prime um, to act on those sexual urges. Today, society looks different, right? Getting yeah. married at 16 unless you live in Alabama is not great. Right. Like normally that's kind of frowned upon, you know, 18 is even like, uh, should you be doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But younger than that, you know, is definitely frowned upon. It's, yeah. it's weird nowadays. Um, historically, that wasn't always the case. But and the reason I'm lining that up is because I, I just want to talk about what's happening biologically inside of someone and then how society views when the right time to act on that, when to start engaging in uh, sexual activities. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether it's inside or outside of marriage. Bring it all back to the Christians now, the evangelicals. What's crazy to me is that inside the evangelical conservative world, there are, it is still very much being preached that if you are struggling with your partner in sexual sin, two 18 year olds, you need to get married. <laughs> you need to solve this problem. You just need to get married. How many people have you and I personally seen on Facebook, friends of ours, that got married crazy young for Christian reasons, and now their relationships and their lives are exploding. Yeah. They were not ready to be married. Yeah. Oh, so many. But they did it. A lot of them did it because there's inside of the evangelical world, there's a pressure to get married young if sexual sin is something that you are struggling with, dealing mm -hmm. with, or whatever. Yeah. That is not the solution. Yeah. It's like, oh, you have arthritis in your hand. Chop it. Chop the arm off. We got to lose the arm. Like it's such an extreme yeah. jump instead of like, hey, maybe let's talk about physical therapy or maybe there's some medicine we can take to help with this <laughs> arthritis. No, we're just going to chop the whole arm off. And that's the solution. And now we got a lot of people walking around literally handicapped because they chopped their arm off when they probably should have found better, yeah. more subtle ways to, to solve some of these problems. Um and in it, so in one way, I think that is a huge form of indoctrination that yeah. people don't think about. We in the evangelical circles encourage our 
teenagers or young adults to marry young if sex is even a possibility yeah. or on the table. Or if, you know, they accidentally get pregnant. Like, right. oh, I've got to get married right That's now. That's not the solution. <laughs> I get it. We want to create this, like, you know, leave it to Beaver, 1950s nuclear family idea. But, man, that is not the way to just forcing someone into that position is not healthy. Mm-mm. And and I, it's almost like we're throwing them out to the wolves. Go sign this piece of paper. Go tie yourself financially um, and biologically to this other person. And then we just pray that you have enough maturity. Both of you have enough maturity to make it through your late educational years if they decide to go to college. Right. Um, make it through entering the workforce, which mm-hmm. is stressful in and of itself. Yeah. Make it through figuring out who the heck you are. Because I'm telling you, dudes have no business being in a committed relationship till they're 25. <laughs> I've said that my whole life. I will stick to that. I believe it. So just figuring out who you are as a person in your mid-20s and then – kind of edging up to your thirties and figuring out what your career is going to be, what your lifelong goals are going to be. Um, I hope you at 18 can do all that with another person tied to your hip who is going through things on a totally different level, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. I hope you guys can just figure it out. That's basically what we're saying to young people when we push them into marriage at a young age, because we're afraid they're going to have sex. But that is yeah. absolutely the evangelical, like, mm-hmm. that's what they do. Yeah. And I'm not saying every couple who deals with that didn't make it or doesn't make it. Some do. But I've seen so many times how much problems that causes down the road. Yeah. Because they just weren't ready. Yeah. And just because they were dabbling in the idea of sexual activity does not mean they are ready to be in a fully yeah. married situation with children and a mortgage not. at 19. No. It seems like a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. But at least they're not sinning. No, they're just going to explode their lives in five to ten years. And sin later by getting a divorce. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the divorce rate in the church is crazy high. I you mean, because a lot of people think it's sin, right? Sure. Still, even now. Sure, sure. And, and that's, 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 a whole, silly, that's a whole but... thing we can go into uh, on another podcast. But the point is, I think that's a very, to me, that's a very clear uh, example of indoctrination. People are like, oh, well, like we teach our kids to pray this way. or that. Oh, Okay, that's fine. Like, whatever. But like, I can give you an example of an indoctrination that hurts people and it's forcing our young people to get married way before they're ready just because of a biblical standpoint you have about human sexuality yeah you know uh taking a slight turn off that i had a pastor that i uh worked for seven no longer than that longer than we married about 10 years ago and um i asked him uh it was a assemblies of god church and i asked him very charismatic. I asked him, uh, so, so what do we do? Cause I was running the college group at that point and it, our college group had really exploded from zero to like over hundreds, you know, yeah. and I was doing really well. And, uh, I asked him, I was like, what do we do? Like if, uh, gay people come guys, girls, like whatever, like what, what is the church's stance? That's what I asked him like on homosexuality. And he's like, well, they're welcome. And I was like, ah, <laughs> sigh of relief. And then he's like, but if they don't change, like within like, you know, a month or so, then we're probably going to have to ask them to leave. And I was like, oh, it just got so much worse. You know, I understood that from his perspective, like homosexuality is a big no, no. And like, we don't deal with it. But like, that was not the answer I was hoping for. Like, oh, 
Because basically what he was saying is if they're serious about God and Jesus, then then that problem, quote unquote, will get solved in a couple services, you know, cast the demons out right. of them or, or whatever their you know thought process was. Stupid. But even inside of that, so that's another way that we that the evangelicals indoctrinate their young people uh, is to say, oh, well, this gender, this sexuality is unacceptable, so we don't associate with that people. Well, though, that's not critical thinking. That's not us teaching to think critically and to value people for, as the Christians would put it, everyone's a child of God. Yeah, We've all fallen short. You know, like I'm using their language here, yeah, yeah. but then we look at certain genders, certain uh, uh, sexual affiliations, and we say, but there's the line. And then we teach our young people that. And then we wonder why some people grow up bigoted. Yeah. Or xenophobic or, you know, pick your, pick your poison. There is an indoctrination happening inside of that. And that's where it gets tricky. If we have freedom of religion, which we do in this country, there's not really a line that we can say inside of someone else's religion. You can't do that. You can't teach that. You can't say that unless it's actually harming someone, you know, sure. um, you know, but if a pastor wants to get up in on a Baptist church this weekend and shout that all homosexuals are going to burn in hell for all eternity, no matter what, which they are, by the way, not the homosexual <laughs> pastors are saying that that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there are pastors out there saying yeah. that there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. That that is the freedom that they have, I don't want to say earned, that they are granted well, and in, I think in our country. That comes back to the individual like responsibility. Correct. And as parents, or even, I mean, if you, even if you don't have kids, like as you, right, your responsibility to think critically. I mean, I think, I mean, hopefully over time, more and more people can learn how to think critically. Right. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who lack that ability, even in a non-religious context. Well, let's let's just we've we've skirted around it, but like let's just say for what it is, if you want to avoid indoctrination on almost any level of your life, be it religious, political, learn to think critically. Well, you got to listen to the other side and be around those who think critically and value critical thinking. Mm -hmm. That is how you solve the indoctrination problem. Where indoctrination creeps in and becomes very dangerous is when we create clubs, cults, groups of people who shun the idea of thinking yeah. critically. You cannot bring your thought process or anybody else's thought process in here. We know what fact is, right. and it is what it is. Yeah, and they're not exposed to it at all or around it at all. It right. is just a constant of the same Right. And that's and, where it gets. Yeah. It just becomes a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. Basically, they just keep running in the same loops. And and to go back to not to like shout out Dan McClellan, because I know he's kind of divisive, but um, I like the guy, but I know some people don't. Um, I guess a lot of just Christians don't. But um, <laughs> Dan talks about negotiating in the scripture. And I love how he talks about this. He says everybody has to negotiate the scriptures because the scriptures are not this planned out methodical manual for exactly how we're supposed to think and view every single situation. In a lot of ways, it's a historical document. It is its stories. It is teachings. But even inside of that, in the span of what the Bible would consider or what some people would consider a 4,000 year period of time, you know, from Adam to Abraham to Moses to David to Jesus to Paul, you know, just all those years, you have conflicting ideas and opinions even inside of those scriptures. So now you as a Christian or a reader of the text have to, what Dan would say, negotiate with that. You now have to decide with some of the discrepancies how am i going to view my
my worldview through the lens of this, if I am going to base my life off the scripture. And so what Dan argues is that we all have to do it. There is no perfect understanding to the Bible. We don't have it. It does not exist in the world today. It is you negotiating with the text and the scriptures in the way that you um, feel comfortable with and thinking critically about. And then you are then sharpening yourself and engaging with others who may have different ideas about the scripture or worldviews. And then hopefully that critical thought and conversation brings us to better places, Mm -hmm. right? That's the general idea. So any church... Any denomination says that they have the absolute truth on what scripture is saying is lying. Yeah. Because there it doesn't exist. Right. It doesn't exist. <laughs> like there's no such thing as like, I know what the Bible says. You've negotiated what you think the Bible says. Or been indoctrinated to believe that negotiation of correct, someone else. Correct. But do you even know you're negotiating? And that's the scary part. Most people don't even know they're negotiating with the text. They're just saying, this is what I've always been taught, so this must be real. Well, it's not. It's, yeah. it's one person's opinion. And I guarantee you, you, go back and do your historical readings. I guarantee you what you believe about the Bible, Jesus, and the church today is not what the first century church believed and thought oh, about 100%. Jesus and the Bible. Paul thought Jesus was coming back next week. <laughs> Straight up. Paul said, don't get married. Don't have kids. That's how imminent Paul thought Jesus' return was. In 60, 70 AD, we're in 2023 now, and people are still saying the same thing, but that's how hardcore Paul believed Jesus was coming back right away. Don't get married. Don't have kids. That's insane. Yeah. Can you imagine if like a pastor got up and said that, hey, I've been reading the scriptures and I've been praying and God has just been telling me all of you need to stop having kids because the end is coming. You know, it's crazy. They don't teach that. They don't teach that. No, I'm saying it's interesting that they don't because you well, would think because they're so convinced it's going to happen. Well, when you've been wrong over 2,023 <laughs> years and counting. Sure. I can see how you might just, concede just some of that. Quieter. Yeah, maybe we just don't <laughs> guess on when Jesus is coming back. Um, but 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 going back to that, Paul thought that then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that didn't come true during his lifetime or his next generation or the next generation or the next generation. And we can just go on and multiples and factors of that. Um, and so even Paul himself negotiated with the scriptures and with his ideologies and thoughts about Jesus and the return and, and, and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so we can look back and and I hate to say this guys, but Paul was straight wrong. Sure. Paul telling people not to have children and get married because the return of Christ was so imminent is utter nonsense. Mm -hmm. I hate to say that. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but that was the wrong, that was the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to other thing Paul said, you know, it's, it's better to be single than to burn with passion. That's where these evangelicals get. That is Paul inserting his opinion. This is not Jesus and God saith. This is Paul saying, Hey, you know what? I've been a uh, Jewish uh, leader for a long time and we have to take vows of celibacy. We don't have wives and things like that. So I'm telling you coming out of that and converting that it's actually better for you just to remain celibate. I'm actually pretty positive. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty positive. There are places in scripture where Paul tells you that you should just be celibate. 
Yeah, I think that's right. And so that's not right because then humanity would just cease to exist Mm -hmm. if we all just decided to stop (laughs) having babies, right? And so that's how he negotiated with his religion, his scriptures, everything he knew about it. And it's wrong. I'm just just flat out saying it. Like Paul inserting his opinions in certain situations is just dead wrong. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy. He's just doing what we all do, negotiating with the scripture. So when you take those scriptures and now you lock onto them and you say, this is the line. And now our 18 year olds need to start getting married if there's any kind of sexual engagement in their life at all, because Paul threw out a bad opinion. Right. But if you don't know how to think critically and look at scripture through that lens, then you think, or you have been taught that that's what the Bible says. Because there's no room for for negotiating. There's Mm -hmm. no room for critical thought and talking through this. And so now we just hand these bad ideologies to our kids and our young people. And we say, well, if you love God, you'll follow the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're telling me what the Bible says. You're not not allowing us to think critically about what the Bible says. You're just telling me your opinion on it. So if you want to know if your church is indoctrinating you and or others, if they seem to have a very hard line on the Bible absolutely says and means this, uh, it's a red flag. We should do an episode of red. You know how they have the red (laughs) flags for dating? We should do that for churches. That'd be a really fun one. Yeah. Um, we should bring in like a panel of people like with the red flags and green flags <laughs> and just start saying things that churches do. Just, yeah. You know, hold up one. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, that'd be kind of a funny little game show. Yeah. Red flag, green flag, whatever. Um, anything else you kind of want to tie a bow on the indoctrination? I think we could talk about this for hours because oh, there's just sure. so much, uh, we could cover on the realm of how the evangel. And, and once again, if you're new to the podcast or new to these videos, um, we talk, mm-hmm a lot about the evangelical world because that's where we came out of. Yeah. Um, We do have experience with other churches and other denominations, but not to the level that we do with the evangelical church. So I feel very confident having been involved in the evangelical church for the better part of 30 years of my life. I feel pretty qualified to speak on it. Yeah. And not just like, Oh, I attended like I was on staff in multiple places hearing multiple things it's always so funny to me when people comment like on on the youtube or tiktok or instagram and they're like you don't know what you're talking about like you know you just they'll say something to the effect of like you've only been to one church or you don't know like that's just one church (laughs) does that i'm like no man like i went through it through multiple churches my wife lived two thousand miles away and dealt with the same exact thing in multiple churches different denominations like It's more widespread than a lot of people think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, At least a lot of like the abuses and and thought processes and ideology inside the evangelical world. So, anything else you want to tie a bow on the indoctrination or churches? No, I'm not that I can think of. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think critical thought is key. Um, How do we raise our kid? We use critical thinking. I'm not saying letting your child, you know, read a Bible or go to church is wrong, but I think that if they have genuine questions, what we should not do is just slam a Bible down on them and be like, well, the Bible says, well, I think you may need to take a step back as an, (laughs) as an adult and critically think about what the Bible is saying and Mm -hmm. listen, like you said, listen to different angles, like listen to different opinions. Um, because if you're just regurgitating stuff you've heard your whole life, there's a high chance you're not right. I yeah. Mean, I hate to say it that way. Yeah. Uh, church history, church doctrine, ideology has shifted so much over the years. I mean, it to me, it's almost absurd as saying, hey, you know what we should do? We should find some witches and burn them this weekend <laughs> as our Christian duty. 
that sounds absurd. If I said yeah, that yeah. Uh, from a pulpit, most people would be like, what? Like, that guy can't preach anymore. That was a thing in church history about 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. They were doing it, straight up doing it, uh, and thought it was their good, godly Christian duty mm-hmm. to do so. So don't tell me that church ideology and doctrine has not shifted over the years. And that's just one example. There's yeah. so many examples. Um you know, we used to baptize babies because we believed if we didn't baptize them quick enough and they died, they'd go to hell. I mean, some still do that, right? Yeah, I can't remember exactly who, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I said that now from a pulpit, hey, uh, the Millers, you're gonna, um, you're you're gonna have a baby in like three weeks. We need to go ahead and schedule your baptism, you know, right after the baby's born because God forbid anything happen, but we just don't want that baby going to hell. If I said that from a pulpit. People would stop going to that church. <laughs> that was a very widely accepted viewpoint in church history. Yeah. I, I don't know why so many people are scared of change. I mean, I don't think changing a belief or, or recognizing that maybe it was interpreted wrong over time. Like, I mean, as humans on an individual level, you know, I mean, smart humans or well-developed humans – we, we see ourselves change and can, like, use metacognition. Like, think about how we are thinking and how it's changed over time and yeah. see, see, see growth and see t- change. The problem is they can't accept that because for them, God is the same today, tomorrow, forever. You know what I'm saying? And so for them, it's not so much about we have interpreted it wrong. It's more about what the Bible says. Yeah, but even so, like, we as society have changed drastically. Sure. So, like you were saying, witches, and like there's things we just don't do. Right. But they used to do under the cover of Christianity. Well, and I think if you held the, not to make a pun about the witches, but I think if you held a lot of Christians' feet to the fire and said, hey, um, why don't we do this practice anymore? You just pull 10 practices out of history and right. say, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? I think they would very quickly get to see like, oh, right. So it does shift and it yeah, does Yeah, there's nothing wrong with I don't with think a growth. lot of Christians think that. I don't think they understand that, that yeah. it does shift and that it does change. I mean, the evangelicals, the Pentecostals, you realize they only came into existence around the early 1900s. Yeah. These guys are barely 100 years old. I think Azusa was like 1906, 1908, and that was kind of the kickoff of the Pentecostal movement. So you're talking 110, 115 years old tops, but yet look how much influence they have in American culture today. That didn't exist 150 years ago, not yeah. not 2,000 years ago, a hundred, not even 200 years ago. Yeah, think how much interpretation, practice, uh, liturgy, all these things. Think about how much they've shifted over 2,000 years. Your specific denomination hasn't even existed <laughs> for a tenth of that time. Mm-hmm. And yet you guys have the corner on the theological market and you don't understand that maybe you are like Dan McClellan says, negotiating with the text in your own way. I think if you really held a lot of Christians feet to the fire, especially evangelicals and just pulled out five to 10 practices that the church just doesn't do anymore because they're bad or taboo. I think they would almost be shocked to be like, Oh yeah, that's weird. Why do we do that? Oh, it was, it was just one church that did that right No, No, like this was widespread. Like right. They, a lot of places did that and some places still yeah. believe that. Um, and I, I think 
because critical thought is just not something that is valued in that world, I don't think those things have even crossed their minds. They don't even think about it. You know, well, my pastor said, you know, something benign. Sure. My pastor said that if if I don't tithe 10% of my paycheck, that I'm I am denying blessing in my life that's and it. God's not going to bless me. And that's it. Boom. And that's it. They will hold tight to that. Now, between them and God, that's between them and God. Sure. And I believe for the most part, a lot of people's hearts are probably in the right places when they do some yeah, of these yeah, things. Yeah. But you're not thinking critically about it, Mm-mm. you know, and or even questioning it or even. Que- well, you don't question in the church. And that historically has been true. People yeah. have been hung and burned at the stake for questioning the church. Yeah. Question everything, right? Yeah, I think. Well, I think you should. But I think for a lot of people, that's heresy. Sure. Uh, that's a word we don't use too much nowadays. But um you know, I've been called a heretic plenty of times, you know, in the past <laughs> five to 10 years. Now I mean, you just claim it. Sure. Like what? I have a t-shirt that says it right <laughs> across the front there. Shout out to uh, Joe Smith at a uh, uh, shift church yeah. in Gainesville for giving me my hair yeah. shirt. I should have wore it today just for you. I want to send you this clip later <laughs> and you can repost it. Yay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, yeah, I've been called a heretic and, and I think there are a lot of us on the more critical thought spectrum of Christianity that um, a lot of Christians would probably think are heretics because we value the idea of Christian or uh, of critical thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that is going to be the determining factor. The question is, how do you get people that are so deeply entrenched into their ideologies to start thinking critically? How do you do it? I don't know the answer to that. I think we're all trying to find the answer to that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like until they, I mean, I don't know where the seeds would be planted. Maybe it can be something be thrown to them and then it gets in there. But at the end of the day, I think people and they have to do it themselves. Look, man, if aliens show up, everybody's going to have a lot of questions. So maybe that's just the solution. <laughs> no you know? one will just, save you. We just get one, one spaceship. Don't even have to have an alien in it. Just, just a spaceship to land, you know? And I think people are like, Oh, maybe we need to start questioning like our, <laughs> the nature of reality and things. I'm not sure. advocating that aliens are real. I don't know. Whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I don't have the solution to that. I, you know, I feel like that is the battle that I'm waging on a weekly basis sure. with channels and podcasts like this. I don't know how to solve that problem. How do you get people to think critically when they just have historically not been taught to think critically and those who do think critically are banished, shunned, you know? Uh, somebody commented on the like one of our TikTok videos a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it was on the... Um, Three types of deconstruction Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first you have is the Christian who says, um, I've deconstructed, um, but I don't feel like rocking the boat. I like my social systems. I don't want to mess up my kids' schooling or our church life. So uh, I have personally deconstructed internally, but I don't want the fight. So it's just going to live in here and I'm just going to go. I'm going to do the status quo. That's kind of the, the first Christian. The second one is... Um, I've deconstructed. I have a lot of issues with the church, with how scripture is interpreted, uh, yeah, interpreted, how how the church society works, and I'm going to push back against that. And because of that, I'm probably just not going to belong to a church or a religious organization because I'm too offensive or I'm a heretic or, or whatever. And then the third one is I've deconstructed. I hate church. I hate Christians. I don't necessarily believe in God anymore. I'm out. That's kind of, and I obviously it's a big spectrum, but I think most people can fall into kind of one of those three buckets. I had somebody comment and said, 
Um, I understand that, you know, people can deconstruct and, and that it's, uh, that sometimes it's necessary, but I think, you know, we just need to hold firm and make a difference inside of the church. And I was like, <laughs> that's very noble of you, but have you tried? Have you tried to bring critical thought to your pastor, <laughs> to your church, to your staff meeting? Have you tried openly disagreeing inside of your religious circle? Let me know how that goes for you, because most of us end out on the corner. Like it, yeah. We end up in the gutter. We do, we don't survive that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then what you do with that afterwards is up to you. You know, do you continue to be a practicing Christian? Do you still try to go find a church? Do you just like tap out? I, yeah. You know, I think everybody handles it differently, fight or flight kind of thing. Um, but that person was just very noble and like, we need to like just hang tight and be an influence inside of the church. I'm like, that sounds great on paper, man. But in practice. <laughs> Everybody I know who's tried it, including myself, we're just banging our heads against a brick wall and coming yeah. out bloody because of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have the answer. Uh, you know, that's why we created the yeah. YouTube channel and the TikTok is to have these conversations mm-hmm. because we're genuinely trying to find the solution of how do we bring critical thought back into uh, the, not just the evangelical world, but the Christian world in yeah, general. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like if there's, one major critique I have of Christians in general is that it's just not met with much critical thought. Yeah. This is what it is. And it's always Mm -hmm. been this way. And I, you know, and that's, that is, we talked about it earlier. That's kind of what I like about the, the Methodist concept of like every culture, every religion has something of value that we can borrow from. Doesn't mean we have to believe necessarily, but they have value Mm -hmm. because we understand having open conversations with our Muslim brothers, with our Buddhist brothers, with our atheist agnostic, like all just the spectrum of religion. We understand that having conversations with these people sharpens us and it allows us to think critically, allows us to get outside of our box, our little bubble and, and see the world from a different perspective. And there's always value in that. Even if Mm -hmm. you don't believe what they believe, there's always value in getting outside of your bubble. And I feel like the church is just very firm on wanting to maintain that bubble. We want to keep that bubble as tight as possible. We don't want to let anybody in and we don't want to let anybody out because control. Sure. You got a bubble, you got control. Yeah. And critical thought means you got to let go a little bit and, mm-hmm. and be willing to be wrong. Yeah. That's tough. That's yeah. tough for a lot of religious leaders. That's tough for a lot of churches. People. <laughs> and people. Right. And I think that's what critical thought, that's the gift of critical thought. It is. It, it frees you to understand that it's okay to be wrong sometimes and then course correct. Yeah. You know? And I think, I think when it comes to religion and God, we're so scared to be wrong because if we're wrong about this, then we could be wrong about that. And mm-hmm. if we're wrong about that, we could be wrong about this. Mm-hmm. And then it's that it's that thing that unravels. And I think everybody's scared of the unraveling. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are scared of like, what happens if I fully unravel this whole thing? What am I left with? Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to believe God doesn't exist? You know, some people do. Some people don't. Yeah. But I think sure. just being scared of the outcome is the wrong reason not to begin the unraveling. You know? Yeah. Um, but anything else? No. All right. Well, we've gone. We did a full podcast. I wasn't sure if we're going to do it, but we did it. It's October 1st over here. Hope you guys are having a good, uh, let's just call it what it is. Spooky season. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a little too early to bring out the pumpkins. We still got like 30 days before Halloween kicks in. We got a full skeleton. We bought a big skeleleton. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. We've got jack-o'-lanterns. Got jack-o'-lanterns. Got to get some bats. We got a cauldron. We did get a cauldron. It's messy. It bubbles in water and stuff, but it's kind of messy. 
yeah, spooky season. I hope you guys are going to enjoy your spooky season. Hey, let us know what you're, uh, well, uh, hopefully we'll do another podcast for Halloween. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. But uh, if we don't, let us know what you're (laughs) thinking for Halloween costumes this year. I think we're going to try Trinity and Neo. Finally, which is funny. We've not done it yet. Yeah. I mean, we've married what coming up on nine years now. Yeah. I'm still not done it. Yeah. Nine years. And uh, yeah. So Trinity, Neo, get some glasses, get some you got to get some latex. Yeah. That'll be awesome. <laughs> got to dye your hair black and slick it back real nice. Yep. Uh, my hair is kind of Neo-esque. I don't yeah, think yeah, I got to yeah. do much to it. Although Keanu does, does have a nice head of hair. Short or long, he's got a good hair. And he's got Less a good beard. Gray. I'm jealous of his of his beard. He's got a good beard. Now? He didn't have a beard in the Matrix. No, no, no. Now, I'm saying. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. saying Keanu's a good looking dude. That's what I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah, we like him. Um, but anyway, yeah, let us know what your uh, Halloween costumes are going to be. We've done Rick and yeah. Morty a couple times, like different characters from Rick Dia, and Morty. De los Muertos. Yeah, we did that because um, I'm Mexican. I feel like I always have to qualify that. <laughs> <laughs> we just did the sugar skull look. I feel like you don't it's have to It's still appropriation, be Mexican. <laughs> right? I mean, it is. We've done purge people. Yeah, we did the purge. That was a lazy costume. That was a long time ago. We yeah, literally last just went minute. and bought random masks and put some dress Regular clothes on clothes. and put fake blood on us yep. and just like, we're purge people. What else have we done? We've done quite a bit. We've done Rick and Morty twice. Different characters. Yes, yeah, different yeah. characters. You were Unity and I was Rick. And then... And you were Morty. And I was Jessica. <laughs> right. Yeah, Morty and Jessica. Yeah. And we've done um, Marvel before. We did uh, Guardians. You were yep. Gamora and I was star I like to paint my body. <laughs> yeah, you do. And it's such a nuisance. Like... Getting it on, taking it off. I don't know why I like it. I don't know either. It's just fun to be a different color. <laughs> <laughs> That's appropriation. Blue yeah. and green. It's because I'm green, isn't it? <laughs> the Grinch. Um, okay. Yeah. So let us know what your Halloween costumes are going to be. You guys having a party this year? We're, we're going to have a little party. Russellween, baby. When's our party? The weekend before Halloween. I think like 28th or something. Yeah. So the 28th, we're, we're going to have a little Halloween party, have a little fun. We do trivia usually. Yeah. I love trivia. Trivia is so Eat good. some snacks, dress yeah. up. Yep. Yep. Let us know uh, what your Halloween costumes are going to be this year. Let us know what your favorite Halloween candy or treat is. Or movie. Or movie. Halloween movie is good. Trick or treat's mine. I think. Ooh, I don't I don't know yeah. if I could pick one right think away. Think on that. I like trick or treat a Hocus lot. Hocus Pocus. Yeah, that's classic. Hocus Pocus 2 wasn't bad. No, I had nice. lower expectations it. and it was okay. It mm-hmm. wasn't as good as the first, but it was okay. Oh, never. Um, but yeah, let us know what your uh, spooky season looks like. <laughs> yeah. Definitely going to do a, uh, just to put a little, you know, Jesus back into it. Um, Reformation Day. Halloween. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> like. 95 Theses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nails nails them up to the church and says, here's 90. I got 95 problems and the church is all of them. That's what Martin Luther's jay-z lyrics would have been uh so <laughs> don't forget call. you know that was a uh that was a good time too we'll talk about the reformation coming up because i i love it uh, yeah. it is such a rebel move hey catholic church you run the whole <laughs> world nope let's start a war yeah, kill each other and hey we're oh. protestants now <laughs> which literally means in protest of the catholic church which at the time we talk about this the catholic church meant the universal church that's yeah, what that was yeah. so we're in protest of the of universal the church, church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that's rebel but you know if you are an american i guess you don't even have to be an american if you are a non-catholic practicing christian you got martin luther and the rebels to thank for that <laughs> rebel scum baby taking down the empire <laughs> anyway anything else no we gotta be done yeah we're done have a <laughs> uh, have a good week guys we'll uh we'll talk to you soon carve a pumpkin for us and uh yeah. we'll see you next time be ready for the new matrix episodes woot woot see ya bye